Hey, podcast listeners. Thanks for joining us for the All Saints Lutheran Sermon Series of Podcasts. We're so delighted that you've landed on this page, and we ask that you contextualize yourself by reading the descriptor. Enjoy, and let us know what you think. Butterflies are super cool. Beyond the fact that they can fly, which is already cool enough in itself, and beyond the fact that they have cross-generational memories, and beyond the fact that they come from literal dissolved caterpillar goo in which all of their previous caterpillar memories are somehow stored through this process, butterflies are super cool because of how they see. They have some of the most color-sensitive eyes in the world. They can see in the ultraviolet color spectrum, which isn't visible to our human eye. They have one more cone in their eyes and a ton more photoreceptors than what humans do, meaning they can sense more colors than we could even imagine. And they also have a huge field of vision, 300 degrees around around themselves. I have a hard time understanding what it would be like to be able to see all of that and trying to understand how, what it's like to see beyond the capabilities of the human eye. I mean, it really just kind of hurts my head. And yet, we're called to see differently than our sight allows. Our two readings today show how God sees the world, and specifically how God sees people differently than we can perceive ourselves. A little tiny brief background to the Samuel text. Samuel was a prophet. He was dedicated to the temple as a very, very young child. He was called by God in his youth, and he becomes the one who anoints the first two kings of Israel. Saul was the first king of Israel, but he acted against God and eventually was rejected, as we hear in the first verse. And so we enter the story as Samuel is sent out to find and anoint a new king, but in secret. He's sent to Bethlehem, a town that maybe seems familiar for some reason to us. He sent to a man named Jesse who had eight sons. One by one, Jesse calls on his sons, and one by one, Samuel is told and then tells, the Lord has not chosen this one. That is, until the youngest, David, was called in from watching their flock of sheep. Sometimes we get really good descriptions of people in the Bible, and I think David's a fun one. He was ruddy, he had this reddish complexion, he has beautiful eyes, and he was handsome. Those usually aren't the descriptions of kings that we see in Bible, in history. There's nothing listed of strength, of power, of authority, of masculinity, these things we associate with kings. Those qualities seem to have been Eliab, Jesse's oldest son, who Samuel immediately felt, this must be the new king. But instead, God says, do not look on his appearance or on the height of his stature, because I have rejected him. For the Lord does not see as mortals see. They look on the outward appearance, but the Lord looks on the heart. The Lord does not see as mortals see. 
In our gospel reading from John, the story begins with a man who was born blind receiving sight through Jesus. Though seemingly central to this story, this man's newfound sight and previous lack thereof isn't what Jesus focuses on. Now, Jesus isn't present for the middle 28 verses of this 41-verse chapter, but his conversations in the first eight verses and the final six show that his focus isn't on the physical sight of this man. In the beginning, Jesus asked a question by his disciples, perhaps one we've heard variations of in our own lives. Who sinned, this man or his parents, that he was born blind? You could substitute a bunch of things into that question, and it sounds like something you might hear today. Whose fault is it that this has happened? What have you done to be this way? But Jesus says, you're looking at this all wrong. This is a thing that just happened, but God can turn this ailment that's caused this man to be cast aside into something good. Then these middle 28 verses focus on the man and everyone who knew him, who refused what they saw, even with their own eyes, insisting that they believe what must be true. Even when they're staring at this man who is obviously contradicting that. And then they cast him out again. At the end of the chapter, Jesus hears of him being cast out again, and he comes back. This idea of sight is still the topic of conversation, though it seems to have shifted. No longer is a lack of sight attributed to the man who had once been blind. In fact, Jesus tells the man, you have seen the Son of Man. Those who lack sight are the religious leaders whose hearts have remained closed to the words of Jesus. Those leaders in their stubbornness are the ones that are held in sin, unable to see the truth. God's vision is not like our own. It isn't about sight. My glasses will never be strong enough to give me God's vision. Instead, God's vision is an envisioning of the world in right order using people, the messiness of people, in ways that we could never imagine. Taking the mud and muck, exactly that which Genesis 2 tells us we're made from, spreading it onto us and making something new. It's no secret that I'm a fan of Jan Richardson, who's a pastor and poet and artist. I've used her words before. In her book, Circle of Grace, a book of blessings for the season, she has a blessing of mud, which alludes to both today's gospel reading and to the story of creation in Genesis 2. She writes, Blessing of mud. Lest we forget the blessing is not in the dirt. Lest we think the blessing is not in the earth beneath our feet. Lest we think the blessing is not in the dust like the dust that God scooped up at the beginning and formed with God's two hands and breathed into with God's own breath. Lest we think the beginning is not in the spit. Lest we think the blessing is not in the mud. Lest we think the blessing is not in the mire, the grime, the muck. Lest we think God cannot reach deep into the things of earth, cannot bring forth the blessing that shimmers within the sludge 
cannot anoint us with a tender and grimy grace. Lest we think God will not use the ground to give us life again, to cleanse us of our unseen, to open our eyes upon this ordinary and stunning world. Just like it's impossible to imagine the world through the eyes of a butterfly, unable to see what we can't, we often try but fail to see the world through God's eyes. But may we continue to try. May we continue to be reminded of the expansiveness of God's creation, as well as the beauty and the worth of each individual. May we continue to ask God to guide our hearts in the ways that God so desires, that we may see beyond our vision, God's loving work in the world. For this we can say, thanks be to God.